what a beautiful reality that is. Just hold that thought. Like for the rest of your life, just hold that thought that he is risen from the grave. What a beautiful truth that we get to celebrate this morning. Good morning and happy Easter. My name is Paul McVitie. I'm the lead pastor here at Chapel Hill Church. And uh, I am so glad that you are here with us this morning. I want to catch you up on something that we've been doing at this church for the last little while. For the past several weeks through the Lent season, we have been uh, engaging with Jesus Christ. We have called this time 40 Days Looking to Jesus and have spent this time focusing more on Christ than we usually do. Talking to him, thinking about him, reading about him in the Bible, spending time with him, focusing on Jesus. And I want to tell you where that came from in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. There are two verses there that we've used as a theme for this time that we've spent together. And I'm going to read them as we open this morning. They'll be up on the screen. This is what it says, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, since we are surrounded historically... By all those who have gone before us, who have put their faith in God and trusted him for his promises to be fulfilled. Since we're surrounded by them, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. These are the verses that have carried us through this 40-day journey. On Friday night, we were gathered in this room, and we reflected on the cross, on the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. We reflected on the weight and sin that's talked about in Hebrews 12.1. We talked about the different things in this world that weigh us down. We talked about the sin that so easily entangles us and clings closely to us. And so we used, as a, as a picture of that, as an image of that, we used ropes. We all had these little ropes that we, we gave up after our 40 days and handed them off, dropped them at the foot of the cross and left them there and allowed Jesus to carry the weight that we bear. And so you'll see ropes around you. There's rope up here. There's ropes down here. There's even ropes in the sky this morning. We have ropes on the chandeliers that were just made for us. Um, this is a reminder to us. That Jesus bore all that on the cross and paid for it all. And that one day we will never carry the weight of this world again. We will never face the weight of death. We will never again be entangled in sin. And all of that came to pass because Jesus Christ is alive and has risen from the grave. And that's the truth that we're standing on. That's the truth we're going to celebrate together this morning. What I want to do with you this morning is I want to, I want to go through one day with you. I want to explore one day in the Bible, in the Word of God. It's the day that Jesus rose from the dead, and we're going to focus on that day. We're going to focus on the joy that was set before Christ, as Hebrews 12, 2 referred to. We're going to talk about that joy this morning. So what I want you to do is get out your Bibles or open up your apps on your phone and turn to Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. And if you don't have a Bible or an app with you, that's fine. In your program, the bulletin that you were handed, there's an insert there. And our whole text for today is printed right there for you. So we can all follow along on this. If you don't have any of those things, that's fine. Just listen. This is an awesome story. So just enjoy it. Let's enter in together 
into Luke chapter 24. And I'm just going to go through it. We're going to talk about some things along the way that we see in this story. And just bask in the beauty of the resurrection of Jesus Christ this morning. This is how it happened. Luke chapter 24. One day we're going to look at Luke chapter 24. And this is how it starts in verse 1. But, on the, well, let's stop at the but. Let's just stop right there, okay? <laughs> Things changed. There was a contrast in Luke 24. Something was different, so it says but. The day before was the Sabbath. Everybody rested. Nobody was doing anything. Now, what wasn't being done was that the body of Jesus Christ, who had died on Friday and was buried in a tomb, the body, typically, somebody would have come to the tomb and prepared the body. They would have cleaned his body. They would have wrapped it in herbs and spices to make him smell not so dead. And they would have prepared him in a respectful way to be left in the tomb. That didn't happen. Because it was the Sabbath and everybody rested on the Sabbath. They couldn't even do that on the Sabbath. But the next morning, verse 1, but on the first day of the week, all right, let's pause again. On the first, and Chapel Hill's going, yeah, if you, you, now you know. Now you know why our pastor is still in the Sermon on the Mount that we started back in June of last year. <laughs> On the first day of the week, can I just broaden the definition of the first day of the week? This was the first day of the week. This was also the first day of an era. This was the first day of a new age in which Christ was risen from the dead and the doors of heaven flung open to invite you and me into the kingdom. And we still live in that age, in that era that started here on the first day of the week. All right, I won't pause for a few minutes here. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb. We'll get to they in just a minute. They went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Well, they were perplexed about this. Behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, two angels. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven, to Jesus' disciples, and to all the rest. There were many more followers of Christ there. Here we identify who the they was. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. Now, we've learned earlier in the Bible and in other places that the disciples were a little slow. And once again, here they are faced with not just one witness, not just one person coming and telling them about this hallucination they had. This was a whole group of women who had been to the tomb, saw the angels, heard what the angels said. And now they come back to the men, to the disciples, and they say, here's what just happened. And they're all excited and the men didn't believe them. 
It didn't make sense to the men. They did not believe this whole group of women who were telling them that what, what just happened. Verse 12. But Peter... Okay, go back to Friday. This is the same Peter who drew a sword in the garden and declared that he would fight to the death for Jesus Christ. This is the same Peter who later, in the courtyard of the high priest, denied even knowing Jesus. And after he had done that, and with the grief, the immense grief that Peter was feeling, and guilt and remorse, Peter just heard something that might have given him just a little bit of hope. So, Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Verse 13, that very day, so here we are, this is the day that we're in, okay? That same day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Now, I have to think this was probably sometime in the afternoon. There are a few reasons for that. But these two men, among all the other followers of Christ and disciples who were gathered together, they were waiting that morning. It was the third day, and if any of them had recalled what he had said, this was the third day, but nothing was happening. There was no Jesus, and it was the third day. And at some point, these two men must have decided, that's it, let's go. And they left, and they hit the trail to Emmaus. So they started walking in the afternoon towards Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. Can you imagine the conversation? The crazy things that they had seen. And everybody in Jerusalem's talking about what happened, right? In the temple, there was this huge curtain, a thick, thick curtain that separated man from the Holy of Holies. And that curtain had been torn from top to bottom on its own. There was no one there that did that. And they were talking about that. They were talking about the earthquake. Who could have missed the earthquake? They were talking about the fact that the sun's light failed. Yeah, you'd notice that, and you would talk about that. And they're talking about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near, and here he is. He's back in the story. Jesus is risen, and he's on the road to Emmaus with these two guys, and he joins them, and he walks with them. Verse 16, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Jesus had something he wanted to accomplish in their lives. And it meant that they couldn't just recognize him right away. That's not what he was looking for. He was looking for something else. And so he didn't let them recognize that it was him. That it was Jesus. Instead, he just walked with them. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? He said, what are you guys talking about? What are you talking about? I love the reaction. And they stood still, looking sad. These were friends of Jesus. These were followers of Jesus. And the one that they were following, the one that they loved, was dead. And when he asked that question, they just stopped and looked at him with great sorrow in their eyes. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, 
Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? How in the world did you miss this? Did you sleep through the earthquake? How could you not get what just happened? How could you possibly be coming up to us just outside Jerusalem on the path and not know about these things that had happened? Of course that surprised them. Of course they were amazed by that. And he said to them... (laughs) And, okay, he's got a sense of humor, right? Jesus says to them, what things? (laughs) I love that he did this. And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet. Not the son of God. A prophet. A man who was a prophet. Mighty indeed and word before God and all the people. He said, and how our chief priests and rulers, um, Cleopas didn't pass the buck here. He didn't just say the chief priests and rulers, them, they did this. He said, our chief priests and rulers. And he took some ownership for this. Our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Go back a week to Palm Sunday. Remember the big party? Hosanna to the king. They thought this was the guy who was going to redeem Israel. And they were sorely disappointed when he was crucified and his body was laid in a tomb. There's disappointment here. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. And he's not here. Nothing happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. And Jesus said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Wouldn't you like to have been there for that conversation? To listen to Jesus go through all the prophets. And everything points to him. To hear him tell it would have been absolutely fantastic. So they drew near to the village to which they were going, to Emmaus. And he acted, Jesus puts it on again. He acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us. For the first time, I was struck by those three words. Jesus had just been through the crucifixion, he had just died and been buried in a tomb. And in that time, he had been rejected by nearly every one of his followers. They had abandoned him. I think it had to mean something, even though they didn't recognize him, for Jesus to hear the words, stay with us. Stay with us. We want you here. Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. It's getting dark. It's evening time. They don't want him traveling at night. Nobody would travel at night. It was too dangerous. That trail is is known for thieves. And and if you travel at night, especially by yourself, you're putting yourself at great, great risk. So they said, don't do that. It's too late. Come and stay with us. 
So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he, Jesus Christ, took the bread and blessed and broke it. How significant that it was Jesus himself that took the bread and blessed it and broke it. And he gave it to them and their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Can you imagine that? That feeling. It is him. It's him. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And now they recognize him. That excitement, that joy, that absolute elation that filled them and he vanished. (laughs) Just like that. He's gone, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us? You got to wonder if there was a little competition there. One of them going, I knew it. I knew this all along. I knew it was him. The other going, no, you didn't. (laughs) Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened up the scriptures And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. Never mind how dangerous it is to travel in the night now. They're up and they're gone. We have to go. We have to go back to Jerusalem and tell everybody what we just saw. They were so excited. Never mind the risk. We're going. And they found the eleven. And those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed. Say that with me. The Lord has risen indeed. There's some good news. And as appeared to Simon, they knew that. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Verse 36. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them. They have to understand that most likely the disciples were gathered in the upper room where they shared the Passover together. And it was now nighttime. A couple of things to factor in here. Number one, it's nighttime. They closed the door and locked it. Number two, they checked the lock. Because why? Because they were at risk. Remember what had just happened. Peter was afraid of what might happen. And so he denied knowing Jesus. Followers of Jesus were at very high risk. So here they were gathered in this room, and I guarantee you the door was closed and locked. But that didn't matter. Not to Jesus. Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit, a ghost. And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts See my hands and my feet. Now listen, Jesus was in his resurrected body now. And his resurrected body wasn't all of a sudden made perfect and every little blemish and every scar gone. Jesus still wore the scars. And you know what, folks, when we get to heaven, take a look at his hands and feet. They're still there. The scars are still there. He said, see my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy. I love that phrase. 
Well, they were still thinking this is too good to be true. And remember that word joy. We're going to deal with that word in just a little bit. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them so that they could see, It's me. It's me, and I have a body. I'm here. I've risen. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Folks, if you ask God for anything, ask him to open your mind so you understand the scriptures. That is a beautiful thing to have. And said to them, thus it is written, That the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father, the Holy Spirit, upon you. But stay in the city, he said, until you are clothed with power from on high. Until the power of the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you. Stay here, and then I've got a job for you to do. He had a job for them to do. And we see in the beginning of the book of Acts, the the history of the early church, that the Holy Spirit did come. And that he gave them power to deliver this message Throughout the world, and that Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit, is here today in each of us who are followers of Christ. He is right here in this room. The gift that the Father promised has been delivered, has been given, and He is here. I want to talk to you for a little while about this joy. Back in Hebrews 12, too, it said that for the joy that was set before Him... Christ endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. What was that joy? What was this all about? Let's look back at this day, at the resurrection of Jesus in this day, and understand a little bit about what this was about. What did the resurrection mean to the followers of Jesus, to his friends? Oh, absolute joy. They were ecstatic. He was alive. The one they thought they had lost, the one who had died and was buried, was alive and right there with them. And they're filled with joy. Joy to the point of not even being sure if it's true because it's so good. There's so much joy. So what does the resurrection of Jesus mean to us? Well, I hope it's the same, isn't it? Are you filled with joy this morning because Jesus is alive? Are you? Yeah, okay, there we go. I was kind of hoping you were, otherwise this has sort of lost its steam. (laughs) We have that joy. We have been born again. We are going to live forever with our perfect heavenly Father. That's a phenomenal thing. That's joy. That's something to be excited about. Our sins have been forgiven. We have been set free. And we have life eternal. That's joy. It means joy to us. What does the resurrection of Jesus Christ mean to the world? It means that there's joy available. That joy is available for every single person on this planet. Every single person because God so loved the world, the entire world. 
that he sent Jesus. This is hope. This is hope for this world. That they can experience that joy as well. What did the resurrection of Christ mean to him? To Jesus himself? Well, that was the joy that was set before him. That's why he endured the cross. Because there was a joy on the other end. A joy unspeakable that he would experience that, that when he was able to look at how people were released on, on Friday night, we, we talked about the weight and I had weights on me. We talked about sin and I had a rope tied around me. And we talked about the fact that Jesus sees people that way. that were bound up in sin, were weighted down with the pressures of this world, with the sorrow and sickness and suffering of this world. He saw that and he removed it. And when he rose from the grave... It was gone. The possibility of that disappearing was real. He had great joy. But there's something else that I want us to see this morning. There's joy and. Joy and. There's something else. There's an and and there's an and right here that I don't want us to miss. Go back up to verse 45. Then Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And we stop there and that's what we're celebrating today. He suffered and died, but he rose from the dead. But Jesus didn't even stop this sentence there. What follows it? And. And. That repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Listen, brothers and sisters, there's an and to the joy. Jesus did not separate his call on us from the joy that he gave us. We cannot separate them. We cannot stop before the and. We cannot stop at the death and resurrection and say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. There's an and. In both Matthew and Mark, at the end of his time on earth, Jesus gave his disciples what we call the Great Commission. He said, go. Go and tell people about me. And I fear sometimes that we gather together on Easter every year. We come together as a church and we say, Jesus, tell us again. Tell us again how much you love us. Tell us again how you delivered us, how we are free, how we have life eternal. Tell us again. Tell us again. And sometimes I wonder if he's not thinking, I told you now. Go tell someone else. Because there's an and to the joy. There's joy and Jesus invites us here to enter into his joy. What is his joy? His joy is to see every lost sheep found. And to hear his gospel proclaimed over and over and over again throughout the world. And folks, that's nobody's job but yours and mine. The message of Easter is so joy-filled. It is so significant. How can we possibly just keep it to ourselves and be thankful and, and, and enjoy the joy that we've received when there's an and that Jesus never left out? 
He didn't stop at the joy. He said, yes, I have joy for every single one of you. And I need you to do something for me. Spread the joy. Take it to someone who hasn't heard it before. And let them know that they can live in the joy that you and I live in today right now. We have received so much. My sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. I have been released from the bondage of sin. That rope is gone. One day I will be released from every weight that this world puts on me. But in the meantime, there are billions of people who are still in bondage. Who are still under the weight that this world puts on them with no hope of getting out from underneath that. Jesus said, I have joy for you. It's unspeakable joy. But it's joy and. Church, let's take him up on what he said. Celebrate what he's given you by all means. This is a day of great thanksgiving. This is also a day of great purpose and mission. There are some of you in this room here right now who, who have not yet received that joy. And I understand that. A lot of times that's what Easter does. Family comes together and they come to church. And, and so I want to talk to you guys for just a minute. I want to talk to those of you who have not yet decided to follow Jesus and to accept this gift that he's offered you. This is, a, this is the thing that will change your life. This is the most important thing you can ever hear. It's the most important news you can ever hear. It's the most important decision you could ever make. This determines what happens to you from now to eternity. And this is the message. It's simply this. You, like all the rest of us, have blown it. Our God is a perfect God. There is no room in his life for sin. He, he, he doesn't have any sin. He is perfect and flawless. And because we have sinned, something that every single one of us in this room has done, we were separated from God, which means we are separated from him for eternity. Eternity. But God is very much aware of this. And he loves every single one of you so much, so much, that he sent his own son to deliver a message and not just deliver a message, but to take upon himself the punishment for everything you and I have ever done wrong. And he took that punishment on the cross. He died for you and for me. But he didn't stay dead. And you don't have to either. Jesus came out of the grave having conquered death, making life eternal life and forgiveness and freedom available to every single one of us. That is available for you right here, right now, today. And I would urge you strongly to accept it and enter into the kingdom of heaven, back into God's family, restored with your father, the one who created you. He has great things in mind for you. Here's what I want to do. I would like all of us to close our eyes and bow our heads right now. Everybody in the room, eyes closed. We're going to spend a little bit of time just talking to God right now. We all need to. 
Let me talk first of all to those of you who have not yet received this gift, this freedom, this joy, this forgiveness that Jesus offers. It's yours and all you have to do is come to Jesus, come before God and say, God, I have blown it. I have sinned and I am in need of forgiveness. I am in need of a washing to cleanse me and make it so that I can come back into your presence. If you want that this morning, will you just pray these words with me silently in your mind and in your heart? Will you just pray this with me? Say, God, I know I have sinned. I know that I am a sinner. I know that I need to be forgiven. I know that you sent Jesus to purchase that forgiveness for me. I want that forgiveness. God, will you forgive me? God, will you come into my life and become my king, my father, my savior? God, I accept this gift that you gave me. I know that I have new life right now. Help me to live the life that you created me to live. The life that you offer me. If you just prayed that prayer with me, with all eyes closed in here and heads bowed, because maybe you've been putting this off for a while and you're, you might be a little embarrassed about what, what others might think. This is between you and God right now, period. If that is your prayer right now, if you prayed that prayer right now, will you just put your hand up for me so that I can pray for you? Will you just put your hand up in the air? Let me see your hand. Yes, I accepted the gift of Jesus Christ, of forgiveness, of a new start. Let me pray for you, and and then I'm going to pray for everybody here. I praise you, Father, for this amazing gift that you give us. What a generous, loving, gracious thing you have done for us. Thank you for the gift of salvation, of forgiveness, of freedom. Thank you for those who raised their hands just now who have entered into your kingdom, who have been washed clean and become your children again, who have been adopted into your family. God, will you bless them? Will you grow them? Will you strengthen them? Will you help them to see what this new life looks like? Remind them that you are with them, that you will walk with them every single day, every moment of every day. Show them the life that you have for them. God, help them to get connected with your family into a place like this where they can learn about you, where they can grow in their faith and understanding of you, where they can grow in their ability to be light in this world, to be a a source of hope to others. And God, for all the, the rest of us who are here, who are already a part of your family this morning, we just celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive. Thank you, God, for allowing your son 
to go through this. We can't possibly understand how hard this must have been for you. To pour out your wrath on your own son who became sin for us. So that we wouldn't have to face your wrath. And we know what your wrath can be like. We've seen you flood the entire earth and destroy almost all of creation. To think that you, you poured your wrath out on your son. Oh, how you love us. Now you've given us life. Father, thank you for that life. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying and for rising from the dead for us. Thank you for giving us new life. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for living in us and giving us the power to live out the life that you've called us to live. God, will you help us now to accept our calling to take the message that we've received, the one that has brought us so much joy, and spread that joy around this world. Starting in Jerusalem, starting close, starting with our next-door neighbors, with our co-workers, with our fellow students, seeing them the way you see them, as people that are burdened by the weight of this world and entangled in sin and need desperately to be set free. God, give us that vision for the people in our lives. Father, we praise you because Jesus is alive. And we pray all this in his name, in the name of the one who died and rose again, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Amen.